Welcome to Around the Board, a show where four board game enthusiasts discuss board game topics and news. Today's show stars our special guest, Andrew Lowen, talking about his upcoming game, Deliverance. Afterwards, we head straight into a round of Play Shelf Trade, followed by another great game debate, this time about the Russian scythe. And uh, we'll end the show. I want to do a Russian accent for that, but I forgot. Uh, when we end the show with uh, another topic that's going to be interesting, it's about miniatures, standees, or meeples. So, ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce our esteemed hosts, Daniel Connors, John Theisman, Chris Thomason, Andy Barnett, and special ghost, special ghost or guest, Andrew Lowen. Welcome as we uh, now go around the board. Hi, everybody. Hey, hey Andy. How's everybody doing? Doing good. Andrew, thanks for joining us, man. Yes. Yeah. My pleasure. I'm kind of excited. Yeah, awesome. yeah. We're going to have some fun today. Uh, what a cool overlay you have. Uh, Isn't that oh, cool? Thank you. <laughs> we should do like the Brady Bunch thing. We we, we did that <laughs> in the story. We've done that in recording sessions oh, before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the anyway. problem is it's all reversed on our screen, so it's hard. It's hard yeah. It makes it hard to do. Like, so, yeah. We try and point well, in the middle. The so I just and... did. I just covered my four bases and yeah. There you <laughs> go. Well, you're in the middle. You're easy. So you could. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's yeah. Alice. It's easy if you're Alice. Right. There you go. <laughs> Well, uh, guys, a lot of stuff been going on here. Um, you know, I know we're not a, a sports ball show by any means, but I have to say a big uh, congrats to our local team since we're all uh, Kansas City natives. Uh, the Chiefs just won the Super Bowl a few weeks ago, and uh, it's been exciting, exciting times. Uh, did you guys get a chance to catch the game? Uh, and, and, and by the way, Andrew, I don't know if you're a, a football guy at all, but uh, what about you? I think football's lame. But I have a reason for that. Uh, a man okay. after my own heart. Yeah. But I will say, I will say that uh, my sister lived in Manhattan, Kansas mm-hmm. for a long time. And so we're all Chiefs fans, but okay. I'm a really casual Chiefs fan. Like, I'm just like, you know, I hope the Chiefs do well. Yay. That's yeah. all right. Um, you know, you're, you're still like, welcome. It's the okay. okayest sport in the world is football. Well, the okay <laughs> sport. Very good. <laughs> the okayest. Well, we have a lot of uh, a lot of uh, fans that uh, are maybe some sports fans, some aren't. But one of the things actually we do in our local board game group, and something that I think we should open up to around the board fans, if they certainly are welcome to join in, and that is we do this uh, thing called the March Madness of board games. And since we're officially in the month of March, um, you can participate in this daniel how does this work i know it's worked for a few years but i don't know the exact rules i, I haven't yeah. followed it that much yeah so this is our fourth annual march madness of board games and uh what happens is before uh march uh the members of our local group fbc gamers they're allowed to put together a prediction bracket we pick four people and they give us their top 16 games of all time we create a bracket for those and then we pit them up against each other um, just like just like March Madness. And then we finally get down to where there's uh, two games um, that are vying for the number one spot. Um, the last couple of years was Terraforming Mars and then Wingspan. And then out of nowhere, Lords of Waterdeep took last year's. So yeah, it's exciting to see what happens this year. But the reason we're bringing this up is that we are starting to make some videos kind of talking about the the matchups and talking about how the voting is going. So now this is our local group, but if you are at all interested in being uh, to participate in this and participate in the voting, just send me a personal message on Facebook. Um, Daniel Connors, you can just find me on Facebook and I can invite you to the local group and you can participate. But if you don't want to participate in that way, it's fine. Just find our videos that uh, we'll be collectively doing and talking about the results of the, um, the, the matches. So, <laughs> and I'm, I'm particularly interested and excited because I got to do one of the brackets this year. Yeah. It's the worst one. 
No, it's the best one. It's the best one by far. No, it's pretty good. It's a good one. That's for sure. I think you have right now. Um, I think the the person the 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 game that has the highest probability of winning is uh Ark Nova or um or uh, Everdale. So I think I don't really? think either of those okay. were on yours, Andy. Is that correct? No, I've got some old school yeah. ones. I'm 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 a little older school. Yeah. So, but we'll find out. You have Concordia. Yeah. That's a strong one. And Concordia is uh, good. My number one Golden. game is Heaven and Ale. Heaven and Ale. It's not going to get past round one. That ain't winning. No. <laughs> it might get upset. No it's way. up against uh, Skull King, which is a very fun trick-taking game. But uh, Oh, yeah. it's No, Skull King's going to lose. <laughs> Skull King's going to lose? Oh, yeah. Over Heaven and Nale? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Wow. Light game's not going to win up against the number one in the first round. Yeah. It ain't happening. It's a lightweight. Hey, Andrew, have you heard of Skull King? Yes. But, oh, um, okay. you know, it's tr- trick-taking. Uh, best trick-taking game I've played is The Crew. Yeah. Um, yeah. but I'm not a huge fan of trick taking because I just, I don't know why if I, if ever I get time to game, I just want to delve into a dungeon or something, do something sure, very yeah. complicated, you know, all right. Sounds Sounds good. Like the theme of this episode is all about diving into dungeons. So I think you're going to like what we have to offer you today. <laughs> what do we got, Andy? It's going to be fun. We're going to get the game started momentarily. One more quick announcement, though. We are now a podcast. In addition to being on the YouTube, you can find us on all the uh, podcast outlets. So check yeah. us out on Apple and iTunes and all the good stuff, right? Very cool. Well, let's uh, let's get to why we're all here, shall we? Let's do. Yes, it is. Around the Board is all about debating different topics within tabletop gaming in four unique segments, each hosted by one of us. A behind-the-scenes judge will award points at the end of the show. Whomever has the most points will get crowned the king of nothing and get to sit on their soapbox and talk about whatever the heck they want. Now, it's time to play said game. Round one. Fight! This is my deliverance, hands held high, it's you deliverance. Well, for our first topic, we're going to drive, drive, dive. We're going to do both right into uh, uh, Andrew Lowen's game, Deliverance, which is coming soon. And Yeah, so uh, I actually have spent like $200,000 to get this prototype oh, in my God. hands right now. So wow. uh, it's, 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 yeah, it's ridiculous. But Deliverance is a tactical adventure board game about angels, demons, and the saints caught between. Hmm. So you play angels cooperatively together, one to four players uh, in the army of heaven. And you have come down to this small little town in modern day Southern California called Fallbrook. It is not a power center. It, it there, There's no person of influence in this town. And it's very ordinary. And yet it is rife with demonic activity. Hmm. And so your mission is one of, infiltration espionage and assassination you're you you suspect that one of the mighty fallen princes that you have hunted since the war was won at the cross is hiding out in this town leading the armies of darkness from the shadows so it is your mission to figure out what's going on what they're doing there and put a stop to it and if you happen to encounter a fallen prince to send them to the abyss to await their final judgment day. Wow. That's um, awesome. That's awesome. So yes. I've been a backer of this game. I've found you before you even released it on Kickstarter. I will admit, I don't look too far into Kickstarters. 
So that was the best explanation I've heard. And that makes me like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. That sounds intense, man. Yeah, it is. But something strange is happening in this town because it seems as though the evils of the human realm are bleeding into the spiritual realm and manifesting themselves as darkness. So um, in addition to fighting demons in tactical combat, you've got to deal with darkness, which uh, you cannot combat by blade alone. So, okay. There you go. <laughs> this this is making me think of. Do you guys remember the the books? I read them, you know, when I was much younger. But the Frank Peretti books, "This Present Darkness," and uh, is this and is this inspired by those yeah. at all? A little too. You know, I will say that I have heard from uh, many people that it feels like you are playing this present darkness. So, cool. um, yeah, I actually reached out to Frank Peretti this last week. Oh, wow. um, to chat with him, we'll see how that goes. But oh, um, that'd be awesome to get. A little were you time. aware of the book before that? Before your yes, game? I've I've read the yeah. books and everything. Okay. And uh, the question, you know, one actually one element of inspiration for Deliverance back before I put pen to paper was Frank Peretti's book, This Present Darkness, you, and Piercing the Darkness. You had a lot of really epic fight scenes, but in every case, the angels that were you know the angels and and fallen angels that were fighting each other, you had um you know, the angels blocking, dodging, or, you know, or clanging their swords against, you know, the fallen angel's swords. You never had an angel get hit by a demon's sword. Mm. Um, however, you had angels hitting, a de- you know, hitting demons and the demons like, you know, vaporized into red smoke and things like that. But my question is, what would happen if a demon hit an angel with its sword in like the worst place? So, um, you know, we all know the crotch is where you don't want to get hit, but I mean, I'm just saying like, well, for people anyway, I, I'm glad you said that I was thinking it and I was like, I'm so depraved. I'm I just, so depraved. But I was like, do I, I interrupt I just, and say it? I went there on accident and I just like, you know, finished the analogy. At least but, we were all on the same yeah. page. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah. Like what would happen? And uh, Frank Purdy never answered that question. Um, so, <laughs> me up at night all the time. Yeah. Dear Frank Peretti, what yeah. would happen with a you reached out to him? Did you present that to him? Yeah. So I, I read your book, but I'm really concerned. What happens when they get yeah. in between the legs? <laughs> we need we need this answered. That's the yeah. uh, the belt of truth, right? So uh, every angel's already a soprano. So I don't. What would happen? <laughs> wow. So, okay. Oh, all <laughs> right. Oh, oh. Do you have a sound effect like that? <laughs> I, 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 I wish I had one of those. We'll we get try it not to encourage a sound effect. Yeah, don't encourage okay. a sound effect, please. <laughs> That's all we will hear. Perfect. You can come back anytime. Yep. Um, Andrew, I'm glad to hear you bring up the the band Deliverance for a couple of reasons. One, yeah, I didn't. That's that's awesome. Uh, Christian metal going on. But uh, what inspired what the, your your box cover inspired me was, and I mentioned this to Daniel, was it reminded me a lot of the uh, alternate cover for uh, Stripers to Hell with the Devil, oh, and where awesome. they're all angels throwing Satan into hell, and it's like, man, that. And I, what a better Daniel's a big one on having a soundtrack when you play a game. What better soundtrack would there be than to have to hell with the devil playing as you're playing this game? I don't know if that's something that's crossed your mind. Yeah, you know, I personally am a huge fan of Skillet uh, right now. Nice. You know, just hardcore. Okay, cool. um, but uh, believe it or not, my favorite thing to listen to when playing this game is the Lord of the Rings soundtrack, the instrumental mm, okay. soundtrack. I just yeah, that would work. It's just like a big epic and not distracting with words and yes, you know, hardcore gotcha. riffs and stuff. I just like the it's like the, I'm transformed or I'd rather transported into this, this other realm or something. And I love music like that. Cool. So you, you know what I think is interesting 
and, and you tell me, I mean, this, it sounds so thematic and so cool. I think that this, what's, what's neat about this is a lot of uh, Christian games seem to be marketed towards just Christians. But I think even if you're not a Christian, this sounds like a really epic and interesting story. You've got this spiritual realm. You've got these different realms. I mean, it, it really could just be. And I've always said that if you, if you look at the, the story of what's really going on in Scripture, it actually plays out like a pretty amazing sci-fi thriller. And right. uh, it sounds like you're capturing that with this game. Yeah. I mean, the Bible is the greatest story ever told. And the problem with using it in a fantasy is that uh, everybody gets mad at you. <laughs> um, because it's not fantasy, yeah. right? And and so I, you know, it's difficult to make a, a good Christian game, but I I thought um, you know, I just I wanted it so and and to actually back up and address something you asked in this question, this lead up, it is exclusively a Christian game and unapologetically so. And yet, and actually I uh, did a presentation right before this on target markets and customer avatar and when I, I run a marketing business. And um, two Christians actually, and the deliverance target market is are, are Christians that blah blah blah, uh, Christians looking for an epic tactical experience, you know, for in, in board games and whatnot. But um, what is most interesting is even with a target market like that, and the fact that I mean, this game does not shy away from from things. Its market is to the Christian, so it doesn't try to preach at you. It just assumes you're already converted. So we're just going to tell a really awesome story, and that. That, that premise takes all the walls down for the non-Christian. It's like, okay, you're not going to try to save me by mission five. It was like, well, maybe <laughs> I'm in, you know, there is no God or your stuff is mythology, but I'll play this, you know, it's kind of the reaction. And actually half of our audience, half of our backers are non-Christians, even though the game is, is like, I, I say unapologetically Christian, mm -hmm. uh, meaning, you know, it's, it's as theologically sound as a fantasy can be, you know, angels are always good. Demons are always bad. Satan is the worst and there's no changing it. So like in the game, you're not going to have an angel that, Oh, tricked you. I was a bad guy the whole time. <laughs> like you wouldn't expect a twist like that. You know um, it's like uh, co the Constantine twist. Sorry. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh Y'all had a long time to watch Constantine, right, yeah. uh, you know, but, or, or demons seeking repentance and becoming good guys like that just doesn't work within the, the lore base of the, of the game. And so um, it's something that I found there is so much crossover appeal when people feel like they're not going to get preached at, but they're just going to get to experience this awesome story and, you know, an innovative game and that kind of thing. And so that's been really refreshing to see. Well, and, and, and that's the other interesting thing. Yeah, I just feel like for non-Christians, you're still stepping into, like I said, an epic story, uh, an epic uh, – to them maybe it's just mythology, but it, it, it's an epic story. And, and if you – people may not be as familiar with some stuff in the Bible that, that talks about some of the spiritual warfare stuff. I love how uh, one of my favorite authors is John Eldridge, and he talks about uh, uh, the verse in Revelation where it talks about uh, the dragon sent forth uh, to was sent forth to swallow up the uh, and I'm totally butchering this. I apologize, but <laughs> sent forth to, to 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 swallow up the offspring of Mary, uh, and it was just talking about this in terms of spiritual warfare, and it just it's like you don't think about Christmas time like that. You think of Christmas, the Christmas story is like oh, it's cute, and there's little mm -hmm. angels. But it was actually this epic spiritual battle to save humanity. Yeah. 
And you know, even before that, you think of all the times that Satan tried to purge the messianic line. Cain killed Abel, first mm-hmm. murder. Bad kid kills the good kid. No explanation, no description of Satan there, because uh, but the lineage went through Seth. Um, Noah, and in, in his day, the genealogy of the world polluted with angels, half angel, you know, monstrosities that was, uh, but, but, and yet Noah, a man who was perfect in not only he was a man of faith, but it perfect in his genealogy. So he was, he had unpolluted blood. So he was, he, he survived. Then you had all the babies killed in, in the Kings. You had the lineage of the Kings cursed. Um, you know, you had David try, you know, as like when, whenever it seems like in the Bible, whenever you have a story of the, uh, of the messianic line is coming through here, you know, like David, the son of Jesse, I want, I want you. It's like, how many times did that guy, you know, was that guy running for his life? And then, um, you know, of course, Solomon and the kingdoms and how it was all split away. Like now I know it's coming through Solomon. I'm going to mess that one up. And then, you know, all the babies getting killed and then all, you know, during baby Jesus's time. And then finally Jesus is up on the cross killed. Um, and, then it, it later says that if they knew what they were doing, that they were crucifying the Lord of glory and, and actually accomplishing its purpose, that it would have never allowed him to go to the cross. Yeah. It certainly wasn't talking about, you know, the, the religious leaders who are dead and buried. It's talking about the eternal spirits, which I believe uh, Satan is the, the leader of those, of that, of that band. And, and, and so it's just as, as it was designing deliverance, there's just so much, more that jumps out like what is not written and what is written i mean it's like i you can inference satan and his involvement in a lot of places it's pretty it's pretty wild so this game you've got this uh this fictional town and and so you've got a fictional story actually used to be my hometown okay (laughs) is it a fictional town a real town it's a real town oh Oh, it is okay oh Oh, cool okay real town yep okay so um how how deep do you get into the uh the 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 biblical texts for this stuff does it get into those stories and stuff or does it just inspired from those things so the um the game itself has two modes of play one is a campaign that's like narrative driven and then the other one is the skirmish i find that it's the the most replayable is the skirmish that you just sit down for game night two hour game one hour game whatever and you have an epic experience all of that story if you will in the game is emergent Nothing is written for you to like read and say, you know, Jesus, your commander in chief told you go to here and, and (laughs) there's a fight at the marketplace, you know, um, or the town square, the mayor is possessed by the devil. Um, Nothing like that. So everything is emergent. And I find the stories that we tell inside our own head while playing this game are just out of this world. You feel like an epically powerful angel that's just about to die. Um, And so the stories are fantastic. However, then you've got the campaign, which has written narrative, and it focuses on the spiritual realm and the humans. There are saints that you act as kind of objectives on the board that you have to uh, protect as, you know, act as their guardian angel. And if you don't, there are consequences and whatnot. But um, the uh, there is some narrative there, but it doesn't answer all the questions of what's going on in the human realm. It actually is like the angels are perceiving something and they see, you know, something going on here, but they're not necessarily following up on it as though, like in, in Frank Peretti's This Present Darkness, it was really all about, you know, Sally Beth Rowe 
and her fight, you know, getting along this journey and the, the angels helping her and protecting her and that kind of thing. Whereas the main characters of the story are the angels and the humans, the human actors are the background cast, if you will. Okay. Cool. Interesting. So I, I have to ask since you brought up the skirmish mode. So one of the coolest things about dungeon crawls and skirmish games is like how you interact with the terrain. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're actually the terrain is like this, just this city and a large scale, like how do you get dynamic? Like, do you have cover rules? Do you have um, anything like that, that, that makes the game dynamic and, and movement and, and strategic? Very and, much so. Like, so um, the characters themselves are kitted out v- uh, we'll say in board game terms, highly asymmetric. So every character has unique abilities. Uh, you could play Michael the Archangel, who is kind of like that. You know, I mean, he's the guy that's jumping into all the demons on the box cover. He's the one that's like, you know, berserker warrior, going to take as much damage as, as uh, you're going to, you know, he's, he's going to deal more damage than he takes and, and that sort of thing. Um, you've got uh, other characters that are much more focused on, like one character. Every, everyone has some kind of movement ability. Um, and one of them, Miko, is a um, kind of a, uh, she's, she's the river watcher, she, which all, by the way, every one of these are have a biblical basis. So there is scripture that shares, you know, there is an angel of the waters in Revelation, Revelation 16.4. And it uses that as inspiration for this angel. And then there's a fantasy kind of explanation of what this character does. But there's actually, I'm tr- I try to help separate what is biblical from what is fantasy um, everywhere I can. But um, but this character's movement is based on, so their attacks are position-based. So they attack things adjacent to them or exactly two spaces away or, or in a straight line in a particular direction. Um, and whenever they use an action, which is kind of how the, the kind of the player's decision space, if you will, like if you want to be a really, really good then use your actions well kind of thing. Um, that uh, whenever you use an action, that's when you move. You move one space whenever you use an action. So the position matters a lot. There are walls, which we explain away because you know angels can go through walls, right? Uh, we explain away as barriers. So there's something strange happening and there's a reason these barriers are there, but you don't know exactly why till you progress through the story. Then um, you kind of figure out what's going on. And so there's a lot of strategic combat where, you know, you can um, like position really matters. If you just run into stuff, everything's going to come like this and just s- destroy you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there is strategy. The demons work together in like the craziest ways. And the bosses are like very, uh, very different. Like it, it almost feels like doing a, a raid in World of Warcraft or something like that. Yeah. Um, it feels it's it's extremely strategic and and um there's very little randomness so let me let me ask you something you said you you have different players you can play out they have asymmetrical powers mm-hmm. can you play as clarence from it's a wonderful life <laughs> not yet okay but maybe in the expansion so. all right because that's what there i was looking forward some to some of these characters here oh cool uh, very nice that's awesome yeah so you've got nine characters you've got uh male and female angels Nice. I've been told I'm going to hell uh, at least <laughs> once for female angels, probably actually twice. Um, so How, you can go to hell twice. <laughs> well, you know, different, different people telling me repent or I'm going to hell. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, it's, cool. it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. It's a cool, lot of fun. cool. So let, let's go around quickly and get questions from John and Chris as well. And let's, uh, we can kind of do a little more quicker pace at this point. So uh, yeah. John, what, what do you got for Andrew? 
Well, Andrew, I, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but I was in my research of your game. I was like in my kitchen and uh, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to ask Alexa if she's heard of Deliverance. And uh -huh. so I said, Alexa, have you heard of the game Deliverance? And she went on like a five sentence description of the game and to mention you. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. You know, and then and then I said, uh, what? I'm all full of myself. I'm like, well, hey, Alexa, have you heard of Around the Board? And uh, her reply was, mm, I don't have an answer for that. So <laughs> oh, wow. just my way of saying thanks for coming on our show. And <laughs> awesome. uh, I need to I need to ask Alexa. <laughs> but my question for you is just real quick. I mean, from concept to now it's almost fulfillment. How long did this game game take to develop? By the time we actually deliver, it'll be seven years. Wow. So um, yeah, five five years till we went to Kickstarter. And then it's been a year and a half since then, just just over a year and a half. And, um, yeah, it's been a long journey, long journey. Wow. So what you're saying is you're not a fly by night operation. <laughs> no, no. I have one of the most expensive hobbies in the world until, until Kickstarter refunded my investment. Wow. So. <laughs> wow. Chris, you got a question? Yeah. So, um, when, when it came to this, was it, was it a, um, was the origin you wanted to make a dungeon, uh, diving game or was it, you want to make a theology based game? What, what, was the, what was the uh, origin? The impetus was that I, I, you know, kind of mashing it all together. I really, really wanted to make an epic dungeon crawl that um, I didn't feel in any way that I was compromising. And and compromise used in two words or in two ways. One is is faith. You know, I don't want to sacrifice squirrels to summon demons that fight for me. Um, you know, and you know, like, uh, and 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 at the same time. I wanted to use to have this epic power fantasy that that you know wouldn't compromise my faith but also as an elite gamer I I was former professional Hearthstone player and I put tons of time into World of Warcraft and every other you know Elder Scrolls all sorts of stuff but uh I wanted an epic experience that was innovative that I really really wanted to play you know that that made me feel so to, to clarify in cool. this game Instead, you sacrifice demons to have squirrels fight for you, right? <laughs> I mean, you know, I, uh, I don't want to spoil the expansion, but okay. you know, I do have the squirrel wrangler. Okay, I expect Squirrel Girl in the next expansion. That's right. So. <laughs> yeah. Which actually, I'm glad you brought this up because I was going to ask about the baddies in this. You, it looks like so far you've just limited to demons, which feel like initially that could be kind of limiting for creativity. Um, did you feel that limiting? And will you introduce any other kind of bad guys that are like outside of demons um yeah so we have fallen angels and demons are you know characters in the game so there are there are two or rather three types of bad guys you've got minions which represent more like themes um the meddling imp you know if you've ever walked it, you know it's it's midnight pitch black and you walk to the bathroom in the middle of the night and you stub your toe on something the meddling imp probably had a hand in that um <laughs> Whereas something like the masked evil is the concept of beauty is fleeting and sacrificing everything for beauty. That's what the masked evil kind of represents. Um, and then you've got, and those are not necessarily biblically based, although they're, they, they do, I guess they do have some precedent in there, but then you've got the fallen princes, which are the bosses. You've got Baal the silent, which is straight out of, you know, um, the Elijah and the 450 prophets of Baal. You've got, uh, you know, and he's silent because he didn't say anything. Yeah. Um, but then you've got Herod, Herod the Great, oh. uh, De uh, Deva, the Prince of Persia. Um, and so there's there. 
these uh, cards, each on the on the back of each card, they have lore. And all of the minions have, you know, there's the Sandman. It's one of the minions and he likes to watch children sleep at night and it's creepy, Excellent. you know, wow. but he, he he's reminded of days that where he actually was charged with helping people go to sleep. Mm-hmm. You know, that was his angelic role and, you know, and, and demons as they, you know, they, they kind of try to find a piece of that, um, you know, fallen seraph and other minions, but then the princes on the back of their lore card, it's just straight scripture. You know, it's like 10 verses of scripture for the various, uh, uh, princes and um so it we're able to kind of play the line of fantasy while at the same time making it feel strong so i i'll think about like you know what type of fight would i really want i want something that makes it feel like the sky is falling and you have to beat this guy in time otherwise you're you know everything's caved in but how do i actually make that work you know and so it's like og the giant king does a really great job with that. So let's, you know, let's do that. I thought um, it was the fallen prince of uh, uh, Chicken Little. This guy <laughs> yes. is falling, but anyway, uh, quick question for you. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm the, the peanut gallery over here. So I'm always throwing in the zingers, whether they be good or bad, uh, mostly <laughs> bad. Um, so I, I got a quick question for you. You've sold me on the theme alone. The theme sounds really cool. I will be perfectly honest with you. It's well known to our audience that I am not a cooperative guy. I don't like cooperative games usually, but you're you're starting to sell me on it already. So maybe go further, sell it to somebody who maybe doesn't like cooperative. Why is this a good time? In fact, actually a week ago, there was somebody that bought the game and then requested an immediate refund. Like two hours later, they were like, I'm sorry, we never play cooperative games on, and I, I I need a refund on this. And it's like, well, you know, let me, let me just talk to you about this for a second. And he ended up keeping his pledge. Um, and you know, he bought every, it was like $183 shipping to Poland and, and all of that. And, uh, so we had this conversation and, uh, the thing about deliverance is that you're, you're cooperating on the same team. You're playing against the game. So the game itself is, is try is really, really fun, really interesting. A lot of, uh, different strategy and, and whatnot. One of the, the biggest problem I see in cooperative games, like, a very common game that everybody has probably played a uh, pandemic. That's really a one player game. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, you guys can play up to four different classes. You can even have three other human bodies thinking that they're playing those classes. But if you are the medic and not going to the place with the three cubes, you are an idiot. There's only one <laughs> right move, right? And everyone's going to yell at you, especially me, because I'm speaking of football. I'm the quarterback of all the cooperative games I play. And, You're that dirty alpha gamer in pandemic, yes, are you? Yes. Yeah, and that's why most people I think hate cooperative games because, or you know, people that do hate cooperative games tend to want to just make their own decisions and 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 that kind of thing. It's not so much about I really want to backstab people, you know, but it's more about that I want to be, I want to think, and and feel like my decisions was, were impactful and meaningful, and you know, I want to see my empire kind of grow and build, and so deliverance, you have your character everybody's going to tell you like, Oh, we really need to kill this guy. We really need to, you know, you know, uh, rescue and, and protect that saint. We need to cast down that darkness card, but it's like, which one are we going to do? And you, because your character is so different from every other character, you are the one that knows best how to accomplish what it is that you want. And so even though you someone's like, all right, we got to kill that saint or uh, uh, the, the, the demon, they don't want to kill saints. Um, and protect the saint. 
how, how you do that, you might have like four different options and two of them are really, really good. And so a lot of the time when I teach people how to play the game, um, I'll teach a new player. We'll go through the first round. And then by the end of that round, they're telling me, no, 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 I'm going to do this instead. It's like, uh, and I say, oh, okay, I guess I have to change what I'm going to do because you did that thing and I was going to do that. So I'm doing something else now. Um, and it, it just constantly reshuffles your strategy. So there's no, there's no way that you can predict like four or five rounds down the road. It's like in pandemic, it's like, okay, I know, you know, uh, Paris is always going to be the center point of the, you know, the three cubes are always going to be there or cubes are always going to be in Paris. So the medic needs to stay near Paris, you know, and, but in deliverance, it's like, all right, we're, we're doing really good. Everything's in control. We're just going to like, you know, spend around and like build up and, and gain all of our resources back and whatnot. And then a darkness card comes out that just deals eight damage to all the players. And you're like, Oh, we need to finish this or we're dead. So it, it, it forces you to change your, your players, uh, player behavior. Um, which is one of the things that I think cooperative games fail to do a lot. Um, and so it's, uh, it's, it's just really fun. And then, and then the other element of that is kind of seeing that empire grow, you've got this character that has these unique abilities, but then you have talents and heavenly treasure. Heavenly treasure is kind of like loot, gives you different stats and you level up and, and get more powerful. Your abilities get more powerful. But then talents actually give you brand new skills and change your behavior. And from one game to another, even if you're playing the same character 10 times in a row, you're not going to have the same talent set up. So the games are, are you feel like like I'm Michael the protector now, you know, in this game, even though I wanted to be the damage dealer, we really needed a protector, a tank. So I'm the guy running around defending everybody. And then the next game, it's like you're, everyone needs to heal Michael because he's just killing everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so it feels very different from game to game. Well, this, and, it, um, it, you, you, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, you, you are doing a marvelous job because like I said, I'm not a co-op guy, but you have got me very interested in this game. So uh, I'm, I'm excited. Andrew, I'll I'm go. Ex- I'll I'll go one step further than that. Uh, I'm a big. I always say theme is the big thing with me, but I've never been interested in a dungeon crawler in my life. And Chris, much to the chagrin of Chris, he's trying to get me into one right now. But <laughs> to me, it's the theme of dungeon crawls never appealed to me. This one actually does, and it, and everything. I got to be honest with you. I've looked for bad things about it online, and people that said I didn't know this guy. He asked me to look at his game, and now I'm going to write a review. And it sounded like it was going to be a terrible review. And the guy's like. No, this is a game. This is a real good game. It's like, you know, Christian, non-Christian, whatever. This is, this is, this is, I mean, it looks like it's really played out and really uh, painstakingly produced. And so I've literally not been able to find anything (laughs) bad about this game online. So well, seven years to you, man, this looks like it's going to be seven um, years. And I think you told us, you told us in one of the production meetings that it's been play tested. How many times you said like 200,000 times you thought. Yeah, probably twice that many uh, wow. by now. Um, so we have a tabletop simulator mod that uh, you know we we played the, we play tested the game at least two thousand times before putting it up on tabletop simulator, and we have we've actually run conventions called Deliverance Con, virtual conventions where we people will come in and play. Like we we had twenty games played in a day of uh, Deliverance Con, about six sixty or seventy players, and we've had uh, right now on Board Game Geek it has one hundred and forty reviews or so. And it's got an average rating of 8.7 stars, which wow. is higher than Gloomhaven uh, at the moment. Yeah, Gloomhaven's at like 8.6 or something. Uh, but, you know, obviously it has more ratings, so it's rated higher. But yeah, Deliverance is uh, is 
showing extremely well among very seasoned yeah. gamers. Nice. And there are people that are like, I'm rating this a one because there's clear manipulation here. Yes, the game is not even released that. yet. And That's like, the only thing I saw was people just doing it oh, to be doing it. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, well, there but, are thousands of plays on tabletop simulator uh, from strangers. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, welcome to the world of board games right there. Of that's board right. Game yeah. geek specifically. So, but uh, yeah. I, all I heard was that you're coming for Gloomhaven. So, uh, <laughs> new yeah. number one on board game geek. <laughs> Watch out Gloomhaven. <laughs> it's actually hey. brass Birmingham now. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Back again. Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, it's going to switch <laughs> back and forth for a while here. Right. So we'll, uh, uh, all I see is that there's weakness at the top and now's yeah. the time to strike. Okay. <laughs> well, we're going to put some stuff in our show notes about how people can uh, find out more information about Deliverance. Is it still on Kickstarter currently? Uh, no, so Deliverance is available for pre-order. If you pre-order, go to deliverancethegame.com, okay. deliverancethegame.com or playdeliverance.com, both will get you there. Uh, there's a link to the pre-order store to pre-order the game. Cool. Awesome. So, awesome. Yeah. Well, thank awesome. you so much. Yeah. Let us know what you think of Deliverance in the comments or what other exciting Kickstarters you're waiting on. And don't forget to like the video, smash that subscribe button to continue seeing more great content just like this. That ends our uh, first round with no scores, Randy. I guess we just were so <laughs> enthralled with the, the finding out about Deliverance, we really didn't get scores in that one. So let's uh, let's get to our next game here. Round two, Fight! So today we have for our play shelf trade we have uh three dungeon divers uh, because you know obviously deliverance is one and so we want to keep that theme so uh we have descent kind of the original uh, the og now they got the they got the second edition or whatever that came out a couple years They're ago the fourth the edition oh it's fourth oh that's right okay yeah that's yeah. right i got the edition regardless the crazy thing about this one for me is that like the box comes like not closed because there's so much stuff in it, like they have to like have it actually not closed, which is kind of interesting. But and they actually, it regard I could wormhole here. But anyway, so so we got descent, uh, and then we got the Lord of the Rings, the journeys, um, the journey in the Middle Earth, uh, that co-op, and then we have Gloomhaven. Yeah. All right, so uh, so here we go. So I'm gonna give you mine. Uh, so I'm gonna go with. Uh, so I kind of have the idea of the shelf being the one that, you know, you can rely on and always go to. And so I'm going to go with Descent that uh, because it is a reliable. Yeah, it may not be the most exciting for certain people, but and it's it's reliable. And actually, I don't know. I, I've not played this fourth edition. Maybe it, maybe it makes some big changes that makes it real interesting. So uh, I'm, I'm interested to try that one. But the one that I'm actually most interested to try to play is Lord of the Rings Journey to Middle Earth. Um so that one, uh, I've heard kind of mixed reviews, how you're like forced to continue the, the uh, campaign. You can't just kind of play what you want, which is kind of uh, disheartening, but at least it's got some chances. Um, and then Gloomhaven, like, I don't know, man. It's just, it's so daunting. Uh, I mean, it's... I, it, Honestly, Daniel's viewpoints on the game makes me just want want to play it. Like how he just shoehorns it into everything. Apparently, it's a rondel now, uh, just because you play your cards and you pick them back up. And uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's cool, but it's just I don't know. It's so daunting. If I'm gonna put the amount of time and effort into playing a, a game like that, I'm gonna play an actual role playing game. Like it's just that's just too much. And and I've played the game. I played I played it and Jaws of Lion. The mechanics are interesting. The card play is cool. Like I I I get it. But it's just like if I'm gonna do that much. I'd rather just play an actual role-playing campaign, so I'm I'm gonna go ahead and trade Gloomhaven. Uh, what you got, Andy? 
All right, thanks, Chris. Uh, yeah, so honestly, this is a hard one for me because, as you guys know, I'm not uh, I'm not usually a co-op guy, and I'm not usually a dungeon crawler guy. So this is all kind of new territory for me. I have played a little bit of Gloomhaven: Jaws of the Lion, and it was okay. Uh, I didn't mind it. Um, I would play it again, so that's going to be my play. Uh, the one I'm going to keep on my shelf is is going to be uh, uh, the uh, the Journeys in Middle Earth game, and that's just because I'm a huge Tolkien nerd, and I love everything about J.R.R. Tolkien's world and, and everything. So, I, and in fact, I have it on my shelf. It's, it's back there somewhere <laughs> if you can see it. Um, I have yet to play it, which is ridiculous because I've owned it for over a year, um, but it is one I want to bust out soon and play, and I know there's expansions, and it, it, it sounds really cool. Again, it's usually not in my uh, wheelhouse, uh, those types of games, but I do want to give that one a, a shot and it's on my shelf and I'll keep it for the theme alone. Um, and then Descent uh, sounds interesting, but I had to pick one to trade away. So uh, based on, it was really between uh, when I, whether I wanted to play Gloomhaven again or Descent and I, I'd rather play Gloomhaven, I think. So uh, that uh, that kind of sums that up for me. Daniel, what do you think? Well, I'm glad that uh, I'm glad Gloomhaven made your play because uh, at least you've played that one before and, and it's it made enough impression of you that you'll want to try it again. So nice. So yeah, um, I've said it before. Gloomhaven is one of my favorite games, maybe my number one game of all time. So that's going to be on my shelf. Uh, any given moment, I will start a campaign with anybody. Just got Frosthaven in even. So uh, all that kind of all meshes together. So uh, yeah, so Gloomhaven definitely on my shelf. It is in my collection forever and I will play it over and over again. Um, the trade is probably going to be Descent. Um, I don't enjoy, I played Descent once uh, and it was, it was fine. It was okay. But then I played Star Wars Rebellion and I liked that a lot better. And it was an evolution of that system. So that was a lot more exciting for me. And then the play is uh, Journey in Middle Earth. I wouldn't mind playing that one. I really liked Lord of the Rings. Not quite the fanboy that Andy is, but I would still be down for it. Um, so Andy, if you ever want to bust that shrink off, I'm right there with you, ready to play it. But you have to learn how to play it first and teach me. You think so. I'm a fanboy just because two of my kids' middle names are Tolkien <laughs> names? <laughs> yeah. It's true, Andrew. One of my kids' name is uh, 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 Moses Strider, and the other is Silas Theoden. So there you That's go. That's good names. Wow. Yeah. I, didn't names. That. I didn't know that either. Something. Yeah, I, I still really enjoy the Moses Strider one. I think that's pretty awesome because it's like two people lost in the wilderness to come to find their redemption and stuff. Like, <laughs> love it, love it. So, but hey, Andrew, let's uh, let's uh, see here from you. What is your play shelf trade? Yeah, I, th I thought about this, and um, so I played jo Lord of the Rings: Journeys to Middle Earth over a hundred times. I have every expansion. Wow, okay. I have Holy like cow. we've we've done probably seven campaigns through the game, my wife and I, and. I would play that at any time, similar to Gloomhaven, but it's it's really for the experience of Lord of the Rings. Like if you love Lord of the Rings, play it and you feel like you're there. Um, that's why I like it. It uh, definitely is missing kind of that random battle element, but they have enough scenarios that you don't really need to replay anything. Um, you just need to spend lots of money on expansions and you'll have lots <laughs> of different campaigns, but they have a lot of characters that are interesting and, and whatnot. You know, you... I would say that box behind you, you've got probably three solid playthroughs uh, for the campaign in that box uh, with your three favorite characters before it would really feel um, repetitive. And um, so I really enjoy that one. I'd play that one. Um, Shelf is Gloomhaven. And the reason for that is because I actually backed Gloomhaven second edition yeah. and I backed out with 40 minutes to go on the Kickstarter. Wow. I knew that if I got that game, 
in time before, you know, deliverance was fully formed mm. that deliverance would be like Gloomhaven, but Christian. Ooh, yeah. And that was my, that was my problem. Like this game, I, I know this game is going to be extremely good. I see it. It looks incredible. Um, but I cannot allow myself to play it because if I did, I know that I would just <laughs> add stuff in, you know, it's like, instead of abilities written on cards or instead of abilities written on the character, let's put them on cards now. And yeah, you know, um, Great restraint. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was actually one of the hardest things I've ever done in my whole life. Um, and descent, I would have to trade away because, uh, you know, it's just, it just doesn't hold a candle to how, I lament not being able to have played Gloomhaven yet. So. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, John, what about you? I know this is your uh, prime. Boy, this is right uh, in my wheelhouse. Right <laughs> Let me tell you. Um, as much as Andy says this isn't his kind of games, this is 100 times more that, not my kind of games. In reality, I will probably never see the inside of any of these boxes. So <laughs> I had to get kind of abstract here with my thinking, but I came up with my play. My play is going to be journey to middle earth because i want to play me some journey all right um <laughs> like the band album, like the band you don't just want to play it so you can have it in the band like, I mean, come on. don't stop believing hey, hey whose turn is it whose turn is it okay <laughs> come on lunkheads uh yeah escape album man i'll, I'll play that all day so there, my play is journey there we go uh gloomhaven doesn't appeal to me at all but gloom has always looked like a good game and so <laughs> Just on that alone, I'll put Gloomhaven on my <laughs> shelf and hopefully play that game. And then uh, Decent, oh, I don't know if it's just a decent game. Do I really want it? I could, I'll trade Decent all day. I, <laughs> I got enough Decent games. So that's mine. All right. Well, thanks, John. Um, well, now that we've finished that up, uh, we're going to take a small break here and uh, we're going to debut the official uh, Kickstarter video from Deliverance for the first time on Around the Board. There we go. After these messages, we'll be right back. The light is fading. I sense a darkness prowling that stirs the memory of a night long past. The night I watched the devil standing on God as judge, jury, and executioner. The night our war was won. Oh, how you have fallen from heaven, O oh Lucifer, son of the morning. Deliverance is a cooperative tactical adventure for one to four players. You control elite angelic warriors and are charged by God to deliver the saints and send the demonic hordes plaguing them to the abyss. Unleash the full might of your blade and God-given powers to slay your foes in tactical combat. The demons are controlled by the game and will work together to defeat you through their own custom menu of actions. Beware, for you cannot survive by might alone. The evils of the human realm are bleeding into the spiritual realm. You must stand against this darkness by protecting saints and casting down strongholds through prayer, lest the darkness overtake this town and destroy you. Grow in power by acquiring heavenly treasures and customize your angel with talents that grant new skills. 
the Intelligent Enemy AI, Darkness Card System, and multiple difficulty levels ensure that each encounter will challenge you. Lure the mighty fallen prince from the shadows and defeat them in combat at all costs. Legions, flee, or meet your judgment at my blade! because of my enemies well that was a commercial for deliverance uh, it looks pretty exciting i know i'm super excited to get my kickstarter to arrive in the mail and if you're interested in it as well you can visit the link below and uh, visit andrew's website where you can pre-order it now so absolutely cool. well as we return here let's uh, do what we do you want to play games? All right. I'll play. Shall we play a game? Randy's the referee? Oh, you mad, bro? <laughs> <laughs> Round three. Fight! All right, up next in round three is the great game debate. That's where we, as four experts, will talk four about or a, five. Well, today it's five. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas we, as five-ish experts, will discuss a game that is universally considered a great game, or maybe the debate is great. I don't know. Sometimes the debate is great, but today we're going to debate the game Scythe or Scythe, however you like to pronounce it, but it's a game that's if if you haven't played it, you've heard of it probably, but it plays one to five players in about 90 to 115 minutes, not to be exact. And Scythe, if you may not know, is very, it's kind of a steampunk game. It's a it's an engine building game set in an alternate history in the 1920s period, steampunk type-ish, where it's it's about it's a time of farming and war where people are turning like war machines into farming machines and etc. And it's <laughs> it says broken hearts and rusted gears is what you're gonna I don't know where the broken hearts come in, but popularity. Uh, yeah, <laughs> what's that? The popularity, the popularity. track. You use yeah. hearts on the popularity track. But anyway, oh, each player represents yeah. a character from one of five factions in Eastern Europe who are attempting to earn their fortune and claim their faction stake in the land around the mysterious factory, which is in the center of the board. And this is a game that when you look at it, it's got these really cool miniatures. Number one has really cool miniatures. I'll admit that. And it's a game I kind of avoided because I thought this was a, a skirmish dudes on a map type game. And it's really not. So we're going to all go and talk about what our feelings are about this game. And I'll start and we'll throw it around. But to me, yeah, I went into this with some with some really wrong expectations. I'm thinking this is, you know, risk 5.0. We're going to battle it out. We're going to, you know, you're, it's all about, uh, yeah taking over land and dominating and all that. And it's not, this is really a Euro disguised as a skirmish game because it's all about moving up on tracks. It's about collecting your resources. You are protecting those resources. So there is some of that and it's, but a lot of it is just trying to outthink or think about what you're, what the other players are doing. And it's like root. It's very asymmetric, almost to a detriment because like root, even though I like the game, I never know if anyone else is cheating or not because I don't know <laughs> what their powers are. And so you're so focused on your own board in a game like Scythe or a game like Root where you're trying to make sure you're doing everything right. Lord knows what that guy way over on the other side of the table is doing. He's sure doing something right because he's tearing me up. But 
that's the only problem I think I have with this game is I love the thanky Euro element to it. I love the limited skirmishing that there is, but it's also, you want to do it when it's, when the time is right, which I tried doing it when the time wasn't right. As Daniel attest this last time we played, I got a little too aggressive and got beat back for it. And so that's, that's the other part of it. There is that element. And it's almost like the, uh, I, I almost turn it into like an old Western where, Everybody's got their guns, you know, nobody wants to necessarily use them, but I got my guns. If you're going to use yours, I'm going to use mine. That's kind of the way Scythe is with its, with the way the skirmish works. And I think it's almost a realistic way of doing it because you're representing factions that are just trying to survive and you're not just out there trying to kill people. And so with that, I think, uh, I think it, it gets a passing grade for me. I definitely want to play it again. I do think you need to play as the same faction multiple times to get a feel of the game. To me, I wouldn't just switch back and forth with factions. I think that'll mess you up. But yeah. that's what I've got on Scythe. Why don't we let our guests go first this time? How about we throw it to Andrew and see what he has to say? Andrew, what do you say about Scythe, buddy? All right. I like it. Um, I'll say Scythe is my favorite Euro. Um, I am not a huge fan of Euro games in, you know... Well, the problem with a Euro game by itself is that it, it has to be the feature of a game night. Um, it's going to be two hours to play that thing, like 90 to 115 minutes. It's like two to three hours is what you'd be doing, sitting with Scythe, um, just like any other Euro. And it's um, it's a great experience overall, I think. Um, again, my favorite Euro, because there's some engine building. It's all about, like you kind of alluded to the threat of violence mm. like being able to you know whip people with your combat cards and enough power that somebody doesn't want to attack you um trying to get to that factory and get events and other things like that and explore so there are there are a lot of things you can do that don't really feel like you know it doesn't feel like somebody is so far ahead or so far behind that that you can't switch positions you know there's not like a kingmaker issue where the guy ahead is so far ahead that you know he can just stay that way um so it's it's interesting in, in this way where there are these temporary alliances that form um and i i like playing it at game night with more than two players i i personally prefer side with four to four or five players and the reason for that is because it the turns go really quick you all it is is take your top action and a bottom action so you're thinking should i move gather resources or, or whatever. And as soon as you decide the first thing, the next player can go, even though you still have this second action to, uh, you know, should I build a mech? Should I, you know, upgrade something or whatever that is in your head while the other players are taking their turns. And I really like that element about sides. So it's my favorite Euro to play with multiple players because uh, another Euro that I really love terraforming Mars you add a third player, a fourth player, you're going to play a third hour and a fourth hour uh, just because it is, it's a big game, especially if players are learning and that kind of thing. The yeah. one thing I really, really hate about it, you know, in some cases you play with the wrong player with high analysis paralysis, everything's playing real smoothly. And then you get to that guy and he's like, oh, what am I doing? Oh, what did you do? What did everyone else do? What should I do? It's like, <laughs> dude, you've had like 15 years to think about this. Why are why are you just you know Andrew? Again. Did you come to Kansas last night? And, I know. And right? I know what he's and Andy. What he's talking about is so annoying. I agree. <laughs> it's like the ninth round. You've had this. This has happened nine times. You know. Come on, Kevin uh, or whatever. Yeah. 
Andrew, you don't even know it, but you're completely calling out Andy last night when we yeah. played side. But uh, <laughs> yeah. but then uh, he knows it; he's well aware. But um, I, I, yeah. I wanted to but say one, but one thing I want to say though, as the you hold your tongue, son, Daniel. What I one thing I want to say is when you said that about okay, you do your top action and then everybody can do whatever during your bottom action. I disagree because my action is going to be move. Oh well, I'm not going to move there now. You just threw a you just threw a mech in there where I was going to invade. Oh, well, okay. I'm not going to invade now. Yeah. So I'm, I, I found very few times, unless you're going to build a building, maybe then if you say, I'm going to build a building, then yeah, go ahead and go about your turn. But so many of those, I think kind of, you have to see what, what that guy's going to do. I, there was times I wanted to go. I was like, ah, I'm going to see what Daniel's going to do. Cause Daniel <laughs> likes to undercut me as any chance he can. So, yeah. But I don't you know, know. that's just me though. I, there are, I there would... are a lot of times that you can do that, but I don't think you do that universally for every secondary action, but yeah, it's possible. And, and I think that, you know, for the most part, you've got the, the um, like if, if you're going to build a mech, like your intent is clear. It's like, I'm going to get that oil I need or whatever to, to do that. But, um, but yeah, I, 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 the one thing I, I really enjoy scythe, like I said, but it doesn't play that well at two players, I uh, which a lot Right. I mean, a lot of the games that I play, I actually like Catan better at two players than Scythe. Uh, flip over a couple of those tiles and make it like tighter and that kind of, it's it's surprising, but I actually really wow. like Catan at two okay. players when you okay, play the, yeah. Uh, but um, the problem is it just feels too big. The map feels too big. It's like, you don't need to ever have any conflict. Um, it's like, I go to the factory first to get my first factory card. Mm-hmm. You go to the factory next, you're going to kick me off that space. I'm just going to you know, use one power so that I can get some uh, positive benefit and get yeah. kicked off. And, and that kind of thing, there's no real, like, you know, threat of violence. Yeah. Um, I think it's three player minimum. That's yeah. what I would say for sure. Uh, yeah. Chris, what are your uh, comments about the game, buddy? Yeah. So, uh, and, and just to piggyback off what we were just talking about there about player count, like it, it is interesting. I never really thought about it till now. Like, yeah, it, it probably is not a great game that plays it too. Cause again, the map is too big that like, most of those dudes in the map game, and again, it's not a dudes on the map game, but just go, go with it here, right? Like those play great at two and awful at three because the two people gang up on the third and then it's just now there. it's a three-player game for a couple of rounds and then it turns into a two-player game. But because this game is more of a Euro, more of a um, just standard Euro game than actually a dudes on the map, it actually plays better at three, in my opinion, than it, than it would at two, uh, if nothing else, just because of space and also because it's not so much military-focused. Um, that I think you could actually play through this very well at three. I've only played it once and we played at, was it four or five? I guess it was five. We played it at five, right? Yeah. Yeah. We played it at five. And uh, um, uh, this game kind of made me feel stupid. I'm going to be honest. Cause it, it took me, <laughs> it took me most of the game to see the matrix of this game, to understand how this action affects this action and, and just the overall association of all of them. So um, I, I mean, I have this, I, it's fairly normal and I'm going to be honest. I think a lot of us feel this way, right? The first time we play a game, we don't see the matrix of how the game works more often than not till a good ways in. Some of us are brainiacs and good for you, Randy. But anyways, <laughs> um, largely, you know, it takes us some time. So no, I really appreciated. Um, at first I kind of was like, this is, it was just kind of slow. It didn't feel like it was going anywhere again. Cause I hadn't seen the matrix, but eventually when I saw how everything affects everything and I know, I know Daniel tried to make a move where he started, he upgraded like one thing early on being like, oh, I'm going to do that because when me or the guy on the other side of his shoulder does something else, he's going to get some bonuses for it. Well, it didn't work out because him and I, the other two, me and the other guy didn't do it because we didn't know what we were doing <laughs> in the game. But, uh, but uh, yeah, no, I, I, 
I was actually very surprised. I had this is the first time I got it to play it was about a week ago, and um, yeah, I'm very much interested to play it again. Uh, I was uh, I liked it a lot more than I thought, and I actually the more I talk about it at this moment, I'm liking it more than I even thought about it. So yeah, um, cool. yeah, it's it very different, uh, but yeah, it, it it played really well. I really liked it. Uh, what yeah. do you think, Andy? Clunky and unintuitive. <laughs> All right, Daniel, and <laughs> that was my first impression of Scythe. And uh, I will tell you, I've only played it twice. And I realize now after playing it last night that the first time I played it, I don't think I even finished it. Um, and I liked it better the first, the, the second time I did. Oh, oh good. Okay. Um, I, I do admit that I started to think about it more and think about wanting to play more. However, that being said, I do have some real issues with the game. Uh, one is that I, I think I'm not a big fan of Euro games that try to have uh, uh, unequal uh, characters that have uh, asymmetric, uh, asymmetric powers. Yeah, yeah, asymmetric powers, because I feel like that kind of ruins what I love about Euros. And what I love about Euros is that it is kind of chessy. It's It's got a bit of uh, uh, what's the what's the word? What's the. I can't I think know. of the word. It's just eluding me completely. More now. strategy, less randomness, less yes. luck. Yes, a, right. Exactly. Thank you. And uh, and that's and that's what I like about some of my favorite Euros. So some of my favorite Euros are going to be games like Heaven and Ale, which has this tension and it's, it's even and everybody can do the same thing, really. it's There's not a whole lot of difference. And so with Scythe, it felt a little too chaotic with that. It is a game that I probably would like more the more I played it because then I would actually know the characters and know the powers and know what's coming. But just as a game you just jump into, hmm, I, I don't know. There's a part of me that wants to try it again, but there's also a part of me that, like I said, it felt just a little bit too clunky. Mm -hmm. And I I don't understand quite how it's the highest rated, such a highly rated game on BGG. That's what stands out to me. It looks beautiful. I love the mechs. And and, and like uh, I think John was saying, I thought it was going to be a skirmish war game based on the mechs. I really felt it was going to be more of that. Um, and, And I like Euros, but it just, I don't know, it just didn't quite mesh perfectly with me. I'll give it another try, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to maybe uh, see if it, it comes around for me. But right now, it's an average game. Uh, Daniel, how Andy, about you? Andy, you could have, uh, if you hated the asymmetric powers so bad, you could have refused to take those battle cards from me whenever we fought. That would have been <laughs> Oh, right. I'm still going to take advantage of the powers. But... <laughs> <laughs> all right, Daniel, yeah. what do you got, buddy? Yeah, the asymmetric did cause an issue at one point, too, because I was teaching the game, and the person mm-hmm. to my right of me, um, he played the white faction who they were able to... Um, they were able to ignore popularity loss when they attack workers mm-hmm. if he upgraded that mech. Yes. So I was like, hey, you can invade workers, no problem. Mm-hmm. And he's there invading workers. And halfway through the game, I was like, oh, wait, <laughs> don't have that power unlocked. <laughs> I was like, popularity. Whoops. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the asymmetricness can cause some confusion. Um, but uh, yeah, so I, this game, I want, I wanted to like it more than I do. And to answer specifically what Andy said is why do people like it? so much i think it is because it does bring something unique to the to the uh to the board game realm and it's the thing i enjoy the most about the game and that is that player board that you have you have top actions you have bottom actions and one of the actions is called an upgrade action it's a bottom action and what you do is you can take a cube from the top and bring it to the bottom and what that does is it makes your top actions more powerful and it makes your bottom actions cheaper to do so it's a really cool. And then as you're building buildings, you unlock a power. If you build a mech, you unlock a power. 
So there's a lot of variability and directions you can go with how you're going to um, upgrade your specific board. And I think that is really refreshing and exciting. Um, but the problem with this game is I feel like it just has a bad lag time. I know Andrew said that he thought it was quick and snappy turns. Maybe it's because it's I was playing with a bunch people, of new people. Yeah. Not just not just throwing Andy under the bus here, but the last three games I played were all with really new people. And with one of my friends, I even said, man, I feel like it lags at the end. And he goes, well, I feel like it lags at the beginning. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it might just lag the whole game. <laughs> the reason it does that is because like, I, I'm finding that I love combo games, games that build with combos. But this, But what I don't like about combo games is when you see the combo in front of you, but you have to wait like five other people to go before you can do the next step in your combo. So you're like, oh, great. I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And then this turn I do X. And you're like, okay, hurry up and take your turn so I can do Y. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> I can do Y now. Okay, great. All right. Hurry up and take your turn so I can do X and or Z. And wow. then you then you get to do Z. And like it breaks the flow of the game for me. I don't like it when combos, when you have this really cool combo in your head and you're like, okay, I'm going to unlock that, which lets me do this, which is going to make this more powerful, which then will give me a star. But it's going to take me 20 minutes to do that. So mm. I'm just going to wait here impatiently okay. listening yeah. to everybody talk and take too long on their turns. For me to take a turn so yep. so I, in the end it, it's an okay game for me and i played it three times in a row this week even and it still doesn't resonate with me uh it's mm. a fine game i'm okay with it but it doesn't strike the chord that i wanted from this game so in the end it's just a meh game to me huh. well I'm Daniel, really, i got a I'm, couple of things oh, go ahead. so uh, at first i think the, the main problem every the main problem i hear from you is the problem of all People don't play the same game over and over and over and over. I promise you, if you had the same group and you played this game three times, that fourth time is going to be snappy, 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 yeah. snappy. Yeah. Play your games over and over. Don't just play new games over and over. Yeah. Also, second, um, the uh, the issue you're like, oh, I want to do my combo, but I got to do this piece and I got to wait and I got to do this piece. Again. In my opinion, that's because of modern game design where they're cutting up Instead of having the age old, I take 10 minute turns and then I wait 50 minutes for my next turn, <laughs> they're cutting it up to where I take the one minute and go around. I take the another minute, and go around. So mm. I think it's just modern game design that, like, which I still it's think very is very much right a Stegmire thing, like a Stonemeyer yeah. game thing, where they're, th that's like their thing, like with Wingspan, with Side, right. with Tapestry. It's like, do a thing, turns over. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Right. I want to do yeah, I mean, a lot of them do it, but yeah, that's true. Stonemeyer does lean into it. That's for sure. I think well, that's the ultimate three to four things in a turn. And I'm good. Don't yeah. make me just do one thing and be like, ah, got to wait. <laughs> I, I don't mind having simple turns. What I had a problem with again, is it felt too clunky and unintuitive. I go back to that. It just didn't feel natural to me. And, and, and the problem is by the time I figured out what I needed to do, cause like you, Daniel, were saying I could figure out like, okay, I need to do this. Then I need to do this. Then I need to do this, but that's going to take three or four turns. And I have so much ADD that, yeah, I'm ready to do all that now, but yeah. by the time it gets back to me, I, I, I've forgotten what I was going to yeah. do again. I think Daniel's also suffering from teach fatigue, and I think Chris, <laughs> just to piggyback on what he said, I, I would love to play this game again with people that have already played it and are good at playing it, because that's, like you say, it's the, I think that's going to take away a lot of the clunkiness, it's going to take away a lot of the, it's going to streamline it, and like Daniel was saying, you're not going to lose your train of thought between turns, you're going to be like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this, because 
with him teaching two people between his turns, he's also like, and making sure Andy and I aren't screwing <laughs> up, then he's also, he's also like forgetting what he's going to do. So then yeah. he ended up in last place. And I had yeah. no, you know, no beef well, for that. He's like, John, John was playing. the definition. John was the definition of uh, he knew just enough to be dangerous. I, just enough to be telling dangerous. Andy like, hey, you can actually just uh, move your mechs anywhere you want. And I'm like, no, 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 you can't. No, you can't. And then John's like, uh, you can just uh, take a card if you want. And I'm like, no, John, stop talking. <laughs> By the way, so focus yeah. on me. I can do well, me. While I did take the most time out of the three of us that played, I won. There we go. The, the war of attrition okay. once again. That, that's actually Andy what I was going to say. I was going to accuse you of not liking it because you lost. But uh, well, I, I didn't win the full game. We actually no. the funny thing is we had two people that had never played it, and they did yes. way better than all three of us that had played it. So that's like just poker shows you how good a teacher time. Daniel is. That's what that mm -hmm. means. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, uh, that wraps up what, we're, what yeah. we thought about Scythe. What are your thoughts on Scythe? I'm sure a lot of you out there have played it, have opinions on it, or would like to play it. Either way, let us know in the comments below and make sure you like and subscribe to keep us going. Up, up next is going to be what? What is it? Fight! Four. Hey, it's round four, and four is our topic of the day. And, it's a box, blah, blah, blah. and our topic of the day is what is better? Miniatures, standees, or meeples. Those are kind of the three pawns of the board gaming community. And I think most people, when they hear that, it's like, well, it's obvious, right? We're going to do miniatures. But is it obvious? I submit that it is not obvious. And instead of constantly going with bigger, better gray figures, we should have this conversation. So let me start. I think standees are far superior than miniatures and only a little better than meeples. Now, the way I say, why, yeah, you can boo me. That's fine. Now, I will put the caveat is a painted miniature is is the best. If you got a professionally painted miniature, that's the greatest. Okay. But why standees are the best is because they do not break the immersion. There is nothing. Well, let's take, let's take Deliverance, for example. He has miniatures and standees in it. And these, these miniatures are beautiful. Um, they look great. There you go. But there they are. But they're gray. Uh, they're that. just gray. If I'm going to be playing a majestic, if I'm going to be playing a majestic angel fighting these ugly demons, I want it to pop on the board. I don't want to break the immersion and being like, hey, you see this gray blob? That's an angel. It doesn't look great. Doesn't look great. Now, again, if it's painted, that's totally different. Um, so standees are by far the best thing. And then meeples. And the, I thought about this a long time ago uh, for the game uh, Vast. Okay. So Vast had these standees and they had these little meeples and the standees were extra and you could also do miniatures. And when you even use the standee and the miniatures in Vast, it it, the, it didn't look like the rest of the game. It it looked disconnected, disjointed. But when you use the meeple, it was perfect. It was like, this is exactly the theme and the imagery that you want. Going with anything else is going to be, um, to be distracting. So yeah, so this is my order here. Standees are number one. Well, sorry. Number one is painted miniatures. Number two, standees. Then screen printed meeples. And then meeples and then uh, miniatures that are unpainted. So there you go. I brought tools, uh, <laughs> visual examples. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Who are you throwing it to, Daniel? Who's next? Ooh. Well, I, I want to look at oh, these. Andrew, yeah. yeah, see, the, so, the acrylic tile. Oh, right? that's cool. Acrylic. Yeah. Tiles. So, those are awesome. 
this is what I did for Deliverance. One of the problems that I think uh, a lot of these games have is they have um, uh, some standees, some minis. Um, they do all minis, all standees, and uh, I, I think that whatever makes you know what makes sense for one game is not necessarily the same as the other. But um, we did our acrylic standees, and I gave the angels. I actually we you know it cost us more money because we included nine angel standees in addition. But um, one of the things, like, look at this angel. You can you can see. I mean, it's it's. I wish I could like focus on it. Yeah. But you can see there. There's like black air. You know, in this character, you can mm-hmm. see the feathers and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That's called an ink wash. Yeah. So it it's like an extremely wash. inexpensive thing to do that just makes the mini look so good when you're actually playing. It kind of looks like the miniature has been painted, and um, I think more games need to do that. But I hate minis that like Lord of the Rings Journeys of Middle Earth, tons of miniatures in that game. I actually think that they're kind of stupid because the best minis, like for example, the Balrog, you you get an expansion uh, that comes with the Balrog, big, huge, epic mini. You use it for one mission and that's it. And it and you may not even get to that mission. And it's kind of it's it's weird, but um you are like I all this cool bling that you don't use just kind of clogs up the the box. And it's like, it just feels uh, bad, you know? And so for example, you know, in deliverance, we've got a hateful fiend one, two, three, and four, and you may not use hateful fiend three and four as much as one and two, but you know, if they were all minis, you would have to paint them all and, or just deal with plastic blobs, you know, that, that don't look great. And so we elected to not do minis for, for those guys. And they are standees, cardboard standees, or can upgrade for those acrylics. But I really like when a game uses minis that are big. So like our minis are really tall. Uh, the journeys of middle earth minis are like very unimpressive and small. Um, and you, you use them all the time. Like you're touching them. It's very tactile and, I, it always bothers me in games that use tons and tons of minis where you're like, all right, dive into box eight for this miniature finally. And it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a bummer. Um, one game that I think does this well is Gloomhaven where they use some standees and some minis and the minis are your characters. Right. And so um, that's kind of the way I see it. However, we haven't really talked about the, um, the meeples. <clears throat> there are two games. I love meeples more than anything. Uh, the first one is Trogdor. The game, Homestar Runners, Trogdor. They gave the option to do some painted minis, and oh my goodness, the meeples are so fun. Um, you know, Trogdor with the beefy arms sticking out of the back oh, yeah. of his neck, like yep. it just the Burninator. Yes. Right. So, uh, yeah. So that's a uh, that's those. I just I I literally bought the game because I loved the meeples so much, and I wanted the word Trogdor on my game shelf. Still haven't opened it up. Don't care to. But I have everything I want. You're actually more. not missing much. You're not missing okay. a lot in gameplay, no. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, I think that, uh, you know, another game that does it really well is um, actually a Christian game called The Flood, which did really well oh, on really? Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, they have, you know, two of every animal that exists mm-hmm. inside their box. And uh, they did it in Meeples. I mean, yeah, I think. Somewhere oh, meeples. <laughs> uh, you're supposed to build Noah's Ark. Yes. Whole. But uh but yeah, so I, I think that uh meeples are underrated mm-hmm. and I think the rages on miniatures and I personally see a lot of heavy heavy mini games that are way too pricey that didn't need to be that expensive that don't really use the miniatures very effectively. Marvel United. That, yeah. Wow, you were talking to Chris on that one. <laughs> so, 
Big That's my thought. So I'm I'm standees for sure, and then minis where they make sense. Where they're and meeples where they make sense. Yep, cool. love it, love it. All right, well, John, what about you? Well, um, I don't know if you guys have seen this meme that's, that was kind of popular for a while. If you're familiar with the movie Pirates of the Caribbean, where yeah. the guy sells tells him, "You're the worst pirate I've heard of," and he says, "Ah, but you have heard of me." <laughs> And you see the one where like, these are the worst painted minis I've ever seen. Like, ah, but they are painted. <laughs> so yes, painted minis are great. But you know what minis do to me is they, I'm, I'm looking at my, mo- my, my game, The Godfather right now. And it's just screaming at me. You've never painted these minis and they would be so cool if you would have painted these minis. And so while I like minis, that's the problem I have with them. It's like, like Daniel was saying, if they have a wash on them, like, like Andrew was saying, and like the ones in Unmatched, that I can live with. Those are cool. It brings out all the detail. It makes them look really neat. Then I can live with it. But as a just the plain minis, yeah, I, 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 that's not my favorite. I like them, but it's not my favorite. And standees, you know what they remind me of? They remind me of the bargain basement garbage games I had as a kid. Uh, <laughs> in particular, I had this game that was the Fantastic Four game. And Daniel, maybe you can help me out with this because then I get it home and the Fantastic Four in this game were Reed Richards, Sue Storm, the thing in some robot named Herbie or something. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Is that a, really a thing or did they just make it for my game? Do you No, no, they made him for uh, he was a robot that Reed Richards made. He was oh a my. nanny. He was a nanny, essentially. I thought maybe it was a Star Wars thing. They're trying to cash in on it. But no human torch in my game. And they were all in these cheap little standees and it was terrible. <laughs> and so that's what standees usually remind me of is a cheap, cheesy game. So unless Herbie. they're really well made, I don't like the standees. And so I first thought of Mousetrap. Yeah, <laughs> so my favorite is usually yes the meeples if they're custom meeples my least fa- it's, it's very specific with me mm-hmm. my least favorite is the five star meeple that's the generic meeple that just means meeple that yeah. just means we're lazy as a producer of a game and <laughs> i think i talked about that with that game terracotta army where it's like yeah. oh it's all these cool sculpted things and then you use these cheesy looking meeples that look like they're from 15 years ago and so <laughs> Screen printed meeples that are custom meeples. Those are really cool. Yep. But yeah, the ultimate is painted minis. I got to admit it. That's the ultimate. But as a, as things go that you can actually find out in the wild, probably screen printed minis, screen printed meeples are the best. But. And I think we're, we're living in an age where there is no excuse not to have screen printed minis uh, or not minis, a uh, minute meeples. Yeah. Like, everything needs screen print on it. Can, can I just say something that's obvious to everyone in the audience? What? You are all very lazy. Why do you say that? <laughs> because if you want, you you all rave about how great painted miniatures are, but you're like, but I don't have any painted miniatures. Just go paint your miniatures. <laughs> Quit your whining. I want to see some of your painted miniatures, paints Andy. Minis. They have a line longer than the Asbury Revival. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> all right. Well, Chris, what do you, what do you, what's your take? All right. So I'm going to give my take here, but I'm going to debunk Daniel right now. Uh-oh. Okay. Yes. This is not painted, but hideous. But it's spiky. But it's spiky. It, it, you can see that it's like a you know this is a Chaos Marine from Warhammer 40k. Again, the, the unfortunately it's not focusing, so you can't see, see much detail. But there's tons of detail. This thing is beautiful. It, at, at a normal distance, it's still awesome even without the wash. But again, like we talked about, a simple ink wash is super easy and it makes a huge difference. Andrew alluded to it earlier, and 100 true. You know what breaks immersion? What? There's my standy. If I'm sitting on this side of the board, 
Yeah. If I'm on this side of the board, I can't see anything. <laughs> Dandies are the worst. The absolute worst. There is nothing. Just, just don't play with them. Take take them off the stand because the colored stand is just as useful when you're on one side of the board as, as the standing itself. They are the worst. Yeah, there there is nothing that I, that you've ever said, Daniel. You're more wrong on. Like when you first told me, like a long time ago, that you love standees, I, I I literally had no words. I didn't know what to say because they're that bad. They are so worthless because they're only good half the time. Um, I understand people's beef with unpainted miniatures. I, I get it. It doesn't bother me because I've played a lot of miniatures games over the years and to paint an entire army to actually play the game that's a lot of work so i'm i'm okay with it more than most but i can understand people's beef with it regardless i can play them and they look good to me and it comes when it comes to meeples you know i'm all in because i want the little i, mean, I don't even want meeples i just want some nice cubes, cubes. so yep. <laughs> um so I, I don't even want meeples but it, so that that's kind of how i feel about all those things so regards though in my actual opinion what i want is indeed meeples or cubes because they're the wow. cheapest. Oh, There's okay. <laughs> no need for the miniatures unless it's a real miniatures game. This is part of my beef with Kickstarter. Every game has to have miniatures. You were talking about a meme a moment ago, uh, John, mm. and I saw one recently where it was like, oh, cool, my my a game, a simple little card game that I've wanted for so long is going to be reprinted. Oh, wait, it's going to have miniatures and real coins and all this stuff, and it's going to cost $300 <laughs> when it was a $15 card game. Yeah. yeah. That meme encompasses every problem I have with like with the Castles of Burgundy reprint. Oh, great. to buy it with so castles for $90. <laughs> yeah. The only thing I liked about that was meaning I could get an old copy real cheap off of uh, Marketplace. So I was excited yeah. about that. But true. Yeah. I so like to refer I, to that as Castles of Burgundy, the miniatures game. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, it, to real answer the question real quick here at the top, yeah, like, painted, then regular. But even then, I'd rather have cubes because i just want as many games as possible i don't want to have one game that costs 300 dollars, so that i have 30 games that cost 10 so there we go there all right andy well so first of all great segue because i just backed recently that castles of burgundy uh, (laughs) because it's one of the best games ever and stefan feld games are notorious for playing amazing and looking terrible and so anything that can upgrade his stuff to look better I'm all about it, but uh, no. By and large, I'm a, I'm an old fashioned kind of guy. I like me some meeples, okay. I uh, I grew up with meeples, you know. Uh, <laughs> I have a I have a, a sign in my. I was my, raised my by go- meeples. <laughs> I was raised by meeples. I'm meeples. Power to the meeples. I actually have a sign in my game room that says Meeple Cave. I would have brought it in, but I forgot. Um, so I like I like meeples. In fact, you know, it's funny. I, I agree with Chris in the fact that I grew up with those cube games, too. The very first version of Agricola that came out, which, mm-hmm. by the way, that's debatable what it, how you say it. Agricola. Yep. Agricola. 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 It's not debatable. There is a it's way to say It's not debatable, it. but it's Agricola is stupid. Agricola. Agricola is right and stupid. Anyway, the very first so. version came with cubes, all the cubes. So you, you had your 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 sheep and your boar and your your cows. They were just different colored cubes. And then they introduced a fancy upgrade called animeeples, animeeples that were shaped in the forms of animals. Yeah. 
But uh, anyway, I'll stick with the meeples. I don't mind minis. I like minis. I, I agree, though, that uh, just the gl- the grayness usually is mm, it's it's not that great. I, I, I'm going to have to agree with with Chris, though. The standees are the worst thing ever. I, I'm sorry. I mean, God bless you. And, and I don't mean to I don't, don't want to insult your game. Uh, it sounds like actually the standee you showed up looked pretty cool. I will yes, say that. It that was cool. not your normal standee. Did look sweet. I will the acrylic, that. acrylic still looks had good, the but, problem of seeing you from one side, but, yeah. but, but by and large, so standees. Cool, I'll take it. <laughs> Scandies yeah. remind me of something from the 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 nineties or something that w- w- was not actually a uh, a hobby game. It was a mass produced piece of junk. Yeah. So like Fantastic Four. There you go, <laughs> Herbie. Yeah. Herbie. Like Fantastic Three plus one. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Always goes back to Herbie. All right. Well, guys, let us know what is your preferred uh, piece to play with and uh, Mm -hmm. let us know in the comments. All right. Well, I think we finally, at the end of this long show, we got ourselves (laughs) a winner. We have a four way tie, which normally blow our minds, but we have a fifth person. And uh, today's winner (laughs) is our guest, Andrew Lowen. Andrew, take your time to shine. And tell us what's on your mind. Oh, man. Um, okay, so how much time do I get? Like a two minute minutes. and a half? Two minutes. Oh, two minutes. Minute and a half, whatever. So, um, okay, I just finished a, conve- a digital convention um, with the Christian game developers. I spoke on creating, uh, you know, I was teaching developers to think about their target market, think about their customers. And there were a lot of people in that, you know, watching that we're asking questions and they are designing games that are going to fail before they even get started. And um, the the reason for that is because they're making games to save people. It's called edutainment where you uh, put, it's like a Hershey's kiss where, you know, the, the foil on the outside is the game. And then the big chocolate center that you have to eat is education. <laughs> and we don't play games to be educated willingly Sometimes our grandma makes us play. Sometimes when we're in middle school and we have to learn how to type, we'll play, you know, throw a fireball at that guy by typing this sentence. You know, it just, <laughs> it's not really fun. So when you implement Christianity as uh, or when you, when you use a game as a vehicle to educate people about Christianity, um, you piss the Christians off because they wanted to play a game and you're teaching them how to be saved, but the Christians are already saved. So they don't want to play it. Then the non-Christians are very uh, offended or, or neutral or just like, hey, I'd rather play something else, you know, that is not trying to educate me. And so you, you, you lose those people. And a lot of Christian game designers, of which I am one, fail before they write a single line of code or put a single physical prototype together because they make a game that they, w- they themselves are not interested in playing. <laughs> yeah. Their target market is the unsaved world. Those people are not interested in playing it. So they're making a game that nobody wants to play. And I was teaching them to not do that and to stop making bad games. And I ranted for about an hour and then they kept me on to answer questions for 45 minutes more. And uh, overall, you know, it's, I've been marketing games uh, for about two and a half years and I've marketed a, a, a handful of really awesome Christian games, including Commissioned, Animo, um, uh, well, Deliverance, a game called Allies of Majesty, uh, The Flood, and um, a bunch of video games. One called One of 500 that's coming out that's actually like Elder Scrolls, except for, you know, you're a dude and 
Jesus day. Uh, it looks really good. Triple uh, A graphics and everything, huge team. Cool. But um, the 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 you know what I am ranting about is Christians have made a very bad reputation for Christian game designers that are trying to make it work, and uh, this is highly relevant because I made one that so many Christians were like, "Yeah, I'm cautiously optimistic." However, I will err on the side of caution instead of optimism. <laughs> and so basically, kind of how this goes. Yeah. You're basically saying that what you made was Bibleopoly. <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> that's yeah, the way a, a lot joke. of Christians naturally think that. Well, it's yeah. probably going to be like that. You're going to roll a move. You're going to collect sins and have to cleanse sins and make it to heaven at the end. And uh, that's the yeah, that sounds which, which ironically is 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 nothing like the Christian faith. You you don't work to, to cleanse yeah, your sins. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. yes, All indeed. Right. So. Thus concludes my rant. I yield right. my time. Very right. good. Well, thank you, Andrew. And at the end of every episode, we just like to say um, the birthdays of what came out this uh, month from the years past. So I want to start with saying Marvel United came out this month in 2021. So it's two years old. Speaking of a massive amount of unpainted miniatures that I own <laughs> and I'm proud to have. I am a hypocrite. I'll be the first to admit it, but it's a wonderful game. But I will say every time I see those unpainted miniatures, it gives me anxiety because yeah. I have the ability to paint, but I don't want to paint <laughs> stick 164 miniatures. Oh my gosh. Anxiety. Anyways, gosh. happy birthday, Marvel United. Next up on the old agenda, there is Wingspan, baby. Here it is right here. I still remember this is the old, the new hotness from 2019. She's four years old now, and I still like it. I like, I don't play it without the expansion though. Well, the uh, European expansion, uh, but yeah, great game uh, has aged well. I think I love how the, like the Andrew was alluding to early, the, the quick turns, at least they should be quick for everybody <laughs> as it goes around the board, as you build up your tableau. To me, it's a great time. Four years old wingspan. All right. And 32 years old is Formula Day. <laughs> Gosh. Middle-aged. What? Middle-aged. That's right. Middle-aged. And, uh, yeah, this game's famous uh, to me because I, I was out of print for a long time, found out about the game. When it finally came in print, I bought it, let my friend borrow it before I had played it myself. Oh, yeah. And his future wife ripped it in half. <laughs> uh, I'll hashtag never forget you. <laughs> and Alan... <laughs> And and I want to say happy birthday to a, a great Euro game that you guys gave me to talk about. That would be Lords of Waterdeep, a game with cubes. Yeah. Uh, it uh, turned uh, 11 years old, 2012. It was uh, born into this world. There you go. There you go. Awesome. Yeah, it has cubes, but I did get the little tiny uh, meeple upgrades. And oh, did you? Teeny, they're teeny, teeny, tiny meeples. They're the smallest oh, meeples real? you've ever seen. Well, oh. I got to see that. Teeny meeples, teeples. Teeples. There you go. <laughs> Well, thank you to all of our wonderful viewers out there. Uh, remember to tap those like and subscribe buttons. Also, be sure to join our Facebook group, Around the Board. Send us an email to mail at aroundtheboard.net or reach out to us on Twitter or TikTok or any of those social medias. Until next time, a big special thank you again to Andrew Lowen. Thank yes. you, Andrew, for being on the yeah, show. Thank you very much. Yeah, it's been my pleasure, and it was hilarious and fun, and I won, so I like it. That's right. <laughs> Good job. So. Beat us at our own game. Right. Look forward right. to deliverance, and we look forward to seeing all of you next time around the board. Right, baby. See, look, right. it's like an eight-panel map, and it's like in all these pieces. His wife ripped it in half. She opened it wrong. Oh, Another man. good Christian board game, Wisdom of Solomon. Check it out. It's good. 
Wingspan, kind of looks like an angel. So there you go, that's Christian. <laughs> <laughs> you want to see a cool looking metal coin? Mm. Oh, that's sweet. Ooh, Ooh, it's yeah. got the trilogy on it. Yeah. But that's and not the Triforce. The other side. The Triforce. I thought it was a pog for a second. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a slammer. It's legit. It's like, oh, it's oh, that would be a slammer, baby. Fix slammer. That's fantastic. That's yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's about two inches. Right there. Yeah, but it's it's like a Harvey Two-Face coin. So you've got the beautiful side right here. Yeah. And then you've got the other side right there that's just all shredded. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So, so is that in the game? Yeah, it's uh, it's part of the metal coins. If you want to grab that, you got these fancy metal courage tokens. Oh, nice! Can play with. 